What's up, everyone? Welcome to a solo episode of Tap. I'm riding solo today. No Brian. Covering a movie that Brian probably wouldn't do anyway. Um, <laughs> but uh, I'm doing this as a as kind of a passion project. Uh, I started a podcast on my own called Real Talk. I'm hoping to revive it one day in the future, but it didn't really make sense to record solo episodes for a whole nother podcast just to put more time into promoting it and everything. I would rather just do it on here, share my love of these movies that Brian may not want to cover or not necessarily may not want to cover, but we just can't cover because there's not enough time. So I just thought I would do it and put it on tap. And Brian okay was <laughs> Brian was okay. Brian was, of course, okay with it, which is great. I thank him for that. Uh, first of all, this episode will be available on YouTube. Uh, the second is available for Spotify and iTunes. Uh, the movie I am covering today is a personal favorite of mine. Uh, it's probably one of my favorite, one of my most watched comfort movies. Everybody has those comfort movies, those movies that you can put on you know, you watch like over and over and over again. It's usually those things where you're like eating and you think, oh, I haven't watched that in a while when it's been like a week. Uh, Star Trek Generations, uh, which was released in 1994. Um, this was filmed actually, ironically enough, mere weeks after the final season of Star Trek, uh, the next generation TV show wrapped which I did not know until um, a couple of years ago when I was first researching this movie for Real Talk um, when I was doing these episodes for a college radio station. Um, I just decided to do this movie as kind of like a, not, not really a test, but just to prove that I can do it by myself and not sound completely ridiculous. Usually I take this time to you know, get Brian involved and talk with him. Excuse me, you know, I get readjusted. Um, talk with him about it and kind of bounce ideas off of. So this is going to be interesting. I've done solo episodes before, but it's been it, it's been a while. So I'm looking forward to doing this episode. If you are listening to this episode as a hey, I've listened to the past episodes. I'll give this one a shot. Can't thank you enough. Uh, you don't have to be a Trekkie to watch these movies. Um, it's a pretty great movie I would put on for just about anyone that would be willing to watch a science fiction film. Uh, if you're listening to this because you thought it was something else and you're still at this point, I thank you also. And I thank everybody who's subscribed to the YouTube and Spotify and iTunes channels, as well as following us on Instagram at 5050network. Uh, it's, it's been a wild couple of months, uh, and it's only going to pick up, hopefully. I am in school, so there's going to be a lot of, um, a lot of downtime. Anyway, I'm going to get back into this movie. I did take notes, so if I do take sudden pauses, I apologize. Um, I did mean to release this review a long time ago. This review is going to 
um, probably come out a little after when I recorded it originally, just because I know May the 4th is coming and in a couple days, and I don't want to release it the day before or the day of. Um, and the network is kind of behind on our Star Wars. I wouldn't say we're behind on our Star Wars. We finished Mandalorian. Those reviews are up on YouTube as well as Spotify and iTunes, so those are great. And we're hopefully going to be doing more retro reviews soon now that school's kind of letting out. Um, anyway, I'm going to get back to it. So Star Trek Generations came out in 1994. Like I said, it uh, started shooting mere weeks after the end of the Next Generation TV show. Um, it follows uh, the Starship Enterprise and its crew um, years and years after um, Kirk's presumed death. Um, the big beginning of the movie is kind of like a cold open of sorts. Uh, Kirk is christening this new enterprise that's been made. It's got a new captain. He's been promoted to Admiral, uh, him Chekhov and, um, Mr. Scott are kind of sending it off. They get a distress call. The ship doesn't have like anything that it's, that it really needs for a serious spacefaring mission. No tractor beam, nothing like that. And these two ships are caught in this energy ribbon, which is gliding through space. That is, uh, nerd alert, is a ribbon of energy that actually is disrupting space time. So it's kind of like deals with a little bit of space travel and whatnot. It kind of like tears at the fabric of space and time. And um, these two ships are caught in it. They're trying these different ways to get these two ships free. Meanwhile, the Enterprise is trying to not get into the ribbon because it's going to get caught too and everybody's going to be screwed. And they even say, you know, these people are coming in and out of basically in and out of existence, essentially. Um, Because what you find out later is this ribbon takes people and kind of throws them into this paradise like realm where you don't really want to leave. It's paradise. It's what everything you dreamed of. So with that being said, uh, this is when you first meet the antagonist of the story. Um, Tolian Soren played by Malcolm McDowell. Uh, he is an Elorian, which I won't get into why that's important or anything. It's not really all that important. He's a scientist. His family was killed by the Borg, which is a big Star Trek baddie. Um, You know, it took me so long to realize that the Borg, the word Borg came from cyborg. It took me way too long as a Trek fan to figure that out. It's kind of stupid if you ask me. So what happens is, um, Soren gets ripped away from his paradise and when he's on the Enterprise with Chekhov and Kirk and everything, um, he gets kind of angry that he's been taken away from this. And then you fast forward to uh, the Next Generation era. The Enterprise is um, going about their business, uh, promoting Worf. They get a distress call from the Amagosa Observatory 
which is observing a star. They get to the star. It's been, or it's, they get to the observatory. It's been attacked by Romulans. Soren is the only survivor. And then there's this like investigation going on and they find out, Oh, it was Romulan. You know, it was Romulans. What were they looking for? All that stuff. And then you see, uh, Soren and Picard have a back and forth where Picard is, telling him, you know, you can get back and do your your observations, your scientific experiments after I've investigated this further because, you know, first off, it may not be safe because it looks like it was, you know, there's blaster fire and everything and there's wreckage all over the place. So Soren doesn't like that and he kind of bides his time and... Long story short, because I don't want to give any more from this point on, because I think the first, from when I've explained it, that first tidbit sets up probably one of the better science fiction films I've seen and probably one of the better Star Trek movies, and I don't understand why people kind of hate on this one so much. A lot of people seem to say, or that I've taken from it, is this is just like an overblown Star Trek Next Generation episode, which is just annoying as hell. Um, so what ends up happening is it's, it's this mad scientist versus the enterprise. And this mad scientist has made a deal with, uh, these Klingon defectors. And there's a whole lot of talk about, you know, why is he doing this? Why are, are these Klingons involved? All these things happening. And it seems like there's a lot going on. And I do have to say it's a lot of what, in my opinion, this movie has a lot of fan service because you have a mention of the Borg, which kind of confuses me timeline-wise, but if you're a Star Trek fan, I'll, I ask me about it. I'd love to talk about it. Um, you have the Duras sisters. You have, you know, a Romulan cameo of sorts. You have a brain reference. You have, um, yeah. So you have these things, and there's all it's a lot of fan service, and I think that's great because Star Trek. There's so much to go into these movies and the shows, and it's it's a great franchise. It's awesome, highly underrated, highly suggested. It's not just for nerds. One thing this movie does exceptionally well, in my opinion, is build a story around a character not who, yes, is a bad guy, per se, but isn't necessarily doing things for a bad cause. I remember Stan Lee at, at one time saying that uh, a good villain is doing, is trying to accomplish something good, but the means are terrible. Um, you know, I'm paraphrasing it, but it's that's basically the gist of it. And I've, ever since I heard that uh, or read that quote, I thought that is incredibly well said. Because if you think back to all the villains, the best ones have a legitimate reason. 
for what they're doing. And they just are going about it the wrong way. They want uh, look at um, uh, Magneto. Magneto in the X Men franchise. He wants, you know, deep down, what he wants is he wants his people, mutants, to not be um, discriminated against, enslaved, all these things. And he goes about it in a very bad way. He attacks people. He attacks military installments. He tries to in, make other people mutants. He, you know, tortures people. Um, has very intense and long monologues about people not wanting to, uh, uh, mutants around. And mutants are the, you know, the, the greater part of the species and, you know, evolution, all these things. And, that's what makes a good villain, in my opinion. Soren is not a... And if you're talking ranking Star Trek villains, I don't think he's near the bottom at all. I actually think he's closer to the top because he wants to go to this, this energy ribbon and he wants to be reuni- reunited with his family, his family was taken from him. His family was killed, or for all we know, uh, you know, assimilated. And I think they say they were killed or destroyed, but you know, who knows with the Borg. So he's not necessarily doing something evil for just the heck of it. He's not shooting people on the street for no reason. He's he's you know he's not a. Um, you know, he's not mentally ill. He's not, I've, I'm trying to think of cliche bad guy, like motives, ruling the world, all this money. Um, you know, I guess you could say he's trying to reach eternity because of the ribbon. You can live in there in a, for an eternity. And um, so I guess he does fit that bill. Um, but he doesn't like, fit the complete cliche of that stupid lame villain that is totally one-sided and bores the hell out of me. Um, especially in like Marvel movies, ironically enough, most of them and not all of them. So, uh, Malcolm McDowell who plays Soren plays an excellent, excellent character. He's probably one of my favorite characters in Star Trek just because, he speaks with such in in like enthusiasm and nuance that he's going to do whatever he can to get to his family. And that's reasonable. I mean, the means in what he does is not, but it's reasonable. He wants, wants freaking family back, man. It's a noble reason. It's just the means do not fit. They do don't gel. They aren't good. They aren't positive. He's not going about it the right way. Uh, one thing I do want to make note of is uh, for the Trek fans that have seen this, people ask, why doesn't he fly a ship into it? They mention that in the movie. And I'll let you watch the movie and figure that part out. The plan is actually kind of like, I don't know what the science is exactly, but it makes sense when you kind of look at it, when he's trying to get the ribbon to come to him. So it's like, 
it, it's not totally far fetched. I mean, Star Star Trek in general can be pretty far fetched, but like realistically, in in terms of realism, um, it makes sense in a way. Uh, I do want to praise a lot of the performances in this movie. Uh, Whoopi Goldberg, who people forget was even in the show, returns as Guinan and is fantastic. She's that mo- the moral center of this movie, and I think of just about every episode she's in. Um, and she's also, I guess you could say, Captain Picard, who's played by Patrick Stewart. His like guiding light. Because she tells him, hey, you're going to go down this path. You're going to reach the nexus and you're never going to want to leave. You know, I've been there. I'm, I, you know, I don't, I, I didn't want to leave. Um, and that's reasonable. It's, it's makes sense. It's basically paradise. It's your, your fantasy. It's, you're not going to want to leave. Why would you want to leave? You know, everybody, everybody's alive. Nobody dies. Nobody you know, you have everything you need. Why would you want to leave it? So this movie also has uh, something that movies nowadays, I feel like, try to do and fail at miserably, which is the... Um, try and think of exactly how to word it. The, the meeting of two different generations or heroes. Um, most movies try to meet, have these two characters meet, uh, maybe different franchises. Uh, maybe it's a hero and villain of different franchises, or maybe it's two heroes, two villains, you know, comic books do it all the time. Um, you know, Batman, Superman, uh, I guess you could say Marvel, just about anybody in Marvel. Um, and this, I think it's great because it's two iconic captains of the Enterprise, two iconic actors in their own right, William Shatner, who plays Captain Kirk, and Patrick Stewart, who plays Jean-Luc Picard, uh, meet in the Nexus. So they meet in the Nexus. Picard's been there for five, all of five minutes. So there's no real... Um, there's no real sense of time and place. So, um, you know, Guinan says it. Kirk's been there for all of five minutes, something like that. Um, so, you know, they, they start talking and while they're talking, Kirk doesn't seem interested in helping him. You know, Picard's only there to get him to help. Um, and he's saying, you know, you have a duty as a Starfleet officer. And there's a great line that Kirk says where he says, I was saving the universe or the galaxy when your grandfather was in diapers, which I thought was just hilarious. Um, and it's really great to see these two characters. I remember first seeing it as a kid and not being able to get over it, not being able to grasp it because it was two people in a franchise that you never thought would meet. You kind of felt like they could because Star Trek messes with time all the time, literally all the time. And you, you had hoped for it, but you weren't expecting it. And it happened. 
It, you saw Data and McCoy in the first episode of The Next Generation. You saw Scotty meet Jordy. You saw um, Spock meet Data and Jean-Luc. Um, and it's so cool to see on the big screen. Uh, unfortunately, I did not see this. I was like three at the time. I would love to see it in the theater, though. Um, to see them share a screen as, you know, captains of this iconic starship that, you know, I've been following all my childhood up to that point. Um, it's just so cool to see, and I love, I love every bit of it. It's one of my favorite scenes in all, all the Star Trek. And then finally, Kirk kind of comes to the realization, hey, I shouldn't be here. Um, I'll help you defeat Soren. And, you know, they go to the planet where Soren is, all these things. All these things. Um, excuse me. It's a, it's a great movie, and the dialogue and the idea of it is really great, a great conversation starter because it's, you got to ask yourself, what would you do to go back in a time when you were the happiest before you lost everything. But at the same time, how much of that turns you into a bad person or would, you know, what would, what you're doing, would that make you a bad person? It's something to think about. Everybody's dealing with a dilemma of some sort in this movie. Uh, Jordy trusts data Jordy gets kidnapped. Data's unable to save him because Data is wrestling with his emotion chip because he wants to be um, more... He lives to be more human. He has an emotion uh, emotion chip. It malfunctions. It's basically, you know, stuck in his um, head. They can't get it out. It malfunctions. He can't get a grasp of these emotions. Picard tells him, you're going to have to. It's part of being human. And he's grasping with that. And then that's basically where it stops. You could say Soren's wrestling with um, his ideology of, you know, what he's doing, but he doesn't seem to have any remorse for it, so I would put that out the window. Um, But it's just... It's... It's 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 a great character, maybe not so much a character study, but a study of a theme of being able to wrestle with things, or or your your ability to handle certain things, whether it's loss, emotions, uh, friendship, trust, all these things. It's something that you wonder about. Um, and it's a it's a great movie to watch just based off of the theme alone. Uh, sometimes I watch this for the theme. Sometimes I watch it for the space fairing parts. Sometimes I watch it just because I want to watch something Star Trek and I can't think of an episode I want to watch, so I just turn on the movie. Um, and that's basically how most of my days go. Uh, so I want to get down to the ratings and everything. I'm trying to keep these relatively short. Because I know some of these tap episodes are long and a lot of people are listening to tap episodes and I worry every time it hits 30 minutes and over because we did start this thing 
and I felt like we averaged around 20. So that's my bad. So usually, as everybody knows, we do on these podcast episodes, these podcast reviews, we do a rating of um, up to 50. And I keep telling people it's technically a point system. Like, a you know, if it's a 50 out of 50, it's technically a 5.0 out of 50. We're throwing, I think we're throwing that out the window. We're just going to go with 50. If it's, if it's a 50 out of 50, it's a 5 out of 5. If it's a 4, 43 out of 50, it's a 4.3. You know, I know that's kind of crazy to think about, but we're all about the brand over here at the network. So in other shows, one of which should be starting in the summer, most likely will adapt something like that, but it might just be um, five stars. Um, excuse me, my guinea pigs are going nuts behind me. Um, so I'm going to jump through this as, as best I can. Um, I wanted to do like the typical episode. I wanted to do dialogue, scene, shot. And in this one, I wanted to do favorite, like, um, favorite action sequence, I guess. I thought of different things, but I just thought, you know, that's the closest thing to Trek I can get. Um, <laughs> there's so many things I got to pick from it. So uh, best action sequence goes to the Enterprise and the Bird of Prey clash above Viridian 3. It's an old Klingon Bird of Prey versus the Enterprise. It's a really intense battle, one of the most intense Enterprise ever gets. I'll let you watch it and see it firsthand. It's fantastic. Um, my favorite, um, scene has to go to, um, there's a scene where, uh, Kirk and John Luke are talking the first, for the first time. That's one of my favorite scenes. There's so many favorite of my favorites in this movie. It's hard to pick just one. If I had to pick a couple other ones. Uh, it would be the um, first conversation between Jean-Luc and Soren on the Enterprise and 10 Forward, the battle over Radiant 3, the Bird of Prey showing up at the observatory, things like that. Um, so there, th- there's so many to choose from. I had a hard time dialing it down to one. Um one of my favorite things about this movie is the quotes. Soren had a great, great one where he said, um, time is a, time is a predator in the, f- uh, well, he says two things about time. He says, time is a predator. It's stalking you. And then earlier he says, time is the fire in which we burn. Um, and I thought that was interesting. He had two quotes about time. I felt like he should have just went with one. I kind of knocked off some points over that, but that's okay. Um, my favorite quote, though. Did I say favorite shot? My favorite shot. Let me go with my favorite shot. <laughs> my favorite shot would have to be um, the one of Soren and the energy ribbons kind of heading towards them. I thought that was a very cool-looking shot. There's a lot of shots of the Enterprise that could be in there, too, but that's the one I went with. My favorite quote has to be the one from Picard um 
like I said, it's it, it there's a lot to choose from in terms of quotes because there is a lot of quotes, but this one near the end I loved. Uh, this is his. He, you know, he's talking with uh, his uh, first officer, and you know, he just said, "What well, you know?" Someone once told me, "Time is a predator; it's stalking you, whatnot." And Sean Luke says, I, "He'd rather think that time is a companion that goes with us on a journey that reminds us to cherish every moment, because they'll never come again." It's a fantastic quote. Something people should live by. That would make an excellent tattoo, if you had. 24-inch pythons. Um, there's no way you're fitting that on one arm, I don't think. So, in terms of Star Trek movies, I was thinking of doing a ranking for every episode. I don't think I'm going to do that today. I think I might do that um, once I do solo reviews of the other ones. Um, if I can get to them at a good enough time, I'll do a, I'll do a rank episode. But for now, this is one of my favorites. It is up there, so there's a little teaser for you. If I had to give it a ranking, uh, I, I I wrestled with it for a long time. 45 out of 50 I gave it. Uh, it lost some points because of a couple things. For one, Soren I don't think needs two quotes. Um, and there was a little bit of a confusion with... Um, Like, I don't understand how... It, it, the science behind the, the ribbon and going back and forth, that could be a little confusing. I only knock off a couple of points for, like, stupid little stuff. Um, Mal, like I said, performances all around are great. Um, I, I had no complaints other than, you know, small little things. I'm sure if you asked me on a different day, I would probably be a little more generous because that's 10... You know, if you listen to other episodes, that's how I tend to get. Uh, get me on a good day. I might knock it up 47 out of 50 or something just because I'll think, well, I was stupid for thinking that, but who knows. Um, I actually um, f- was lucky enough recently to meet Malcolm McDowell. Um, he did a talk in Ventura at the Ventura Museum. Uh, he talked about his career and everything. He's being interviewed by a um, journalist um, that I am not familiar with. I, I did not take his name down. I should have done that. Um, I was a little timid to ask a question. Um, usually when I share a space with an actor, I don't give a hoot what the person does. They could have done, I mean, come on. They could have done Star Trek episode, like a random Star Trek episode. You know, they could have played, you know, if I did, if I went to one of these things and you had somebody who's, who played a, a Cardassian on DS9, you know, whoever played Garrick, you know, or uh, Gold Ducat, I would have acted the same way as, you know, I did Malcolm McDowell. I was very nervous. They asked for questions. I kind of raised my question, uh, raised my question, raised my hand near the end when they were kind of done anyway. And then they were like, he's going to stay for a while if you want to get in line and ask one last question and get an autograph. And I was lucky to do so. Uh, I got a picture with him, which was great. I was very nervous. I got to ask my question. Um, He did take a shot at Star Trek Generations. Um, You know, he was talking, he was talking about, I think something along the lines with uh, Clockwork Orange. And 
people were ticked off at his interpretation because it differed from the novel version or something. And he was like, you know, I don't understand. Oh no, I'm sorry. He's saying Stanley Kubrick did. And you know, Kubrick got death threats cause they didn't, he didn't follow the book exactly or something silly. And then the, the person interviewing Malcolm said, well, have you gotten any threats about it? He goes, no, I didn't get any um, threats about it. Though I did, and he, you know, you recalled, he goes, you know, I did get death threats because uh, I killed Kirk. And everyone kind of laughed. And, you know, they played a montage of his roles um, before he came out. There was some Star Trek Generation um, parts in it, which I was happy to see. Uh, very underrated performance in my opinion. Um, so anyway, he went to, um, oh, he, when he, when he was talking about the killing Kirk thing, he said, uh, the Star Trek fans have never forgiven me for that. And I was like, that's very funny. And I thought, oh, I know what to say if they pick on, you know, they pick on me for a question. They did not. I went over to get, stay on this line you know, and I was said, you know, hi, I'm a really big fan. I would like you to know uh, I'm a huge star. I'm a huge Trekkie, and I forgave you a long time ago. And he laughed. Um, and I said, you know, I have one one question. If you if if you'd have the time, he goes, yeah, go ahead. And I was like, what was it work like working on like Star Trek? And I kind of said it. It was a broad question. I should have kind of narrowed it down i was hoping he would talk about like what it was it like researching for the part things like that it's probably something i can ask in the future if, should i ever meet him again um but he talked about uh working with uh patrick stewart and how great that was and you know they had known each other for a while before shooting generations and i thought that was cool and got his autograph which was wonderful um, totally wish I brought something for him to sign. I had no idea. You know, you never know what these autograph signings, if you can bring anything to sign. Partially because a lot of times these people, you know, it's 30 bucks to get something to sign. You never know. Um, I have Star Trek Generations on VHS. I would have gladly, if I knew he was going to do that, I would have gladly carried a VHS of that movie around for that day to get it signed. I'm that big of a nerd and that big of a fan is. So that was truly wonderful. Um, and that does it for my review of Star Trek Generations. If you stay through the whole episode, I can't thank you enough. I don't know how many of these I will do. Um, it's really a... I, I want to do one of these for every single movie, even movies we've already done in the past, just because I want to break down the cinematography and stuff. This one, these Star Trek movies are difficult for me. Cause we're already over 30 minutes and I feel like I'm, you know, battling on. So, um, I appreciate you sticking around and listening to this episode. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you may not be following us. Um, more of these, uh, reviews will come out. These are going to be listed as tap episodes, not real talk. Uh, if you hope or wish you're one of the, handful of people that followed me on real talk and you want me to bring it back let me know um because that would be a wonderful thing to know that somebody was interested in that if not then they'll just be episodes of tap 
And this will be available on all of the streaming uh, podcast sites we're on and YouTube. And don't forget to give us a follow, subscribe, like, and comment on this film and any other films that you may want me to do or any Star Trek questions. I'll take Star Trek questions all day. No problem. And that does it for this episode. I appreciate everybody for coming by. You have a great one.